God is good. He is great. And He is greatly to be praised. And He does amazing things. He does things that don't make sense sometimes. And things will... I wish I could share with you. I can't do it today. It's just... I have a testimony about some of the things God has done for us. And it is really... I'll just say just a miracle. It's, a, it's unbelievable some of the things that have happened in our lives, in our, in our family, in our marriage, our boys, uh, in just every aspect of our life. If you ever want to talk to me about some of these stories, I'll, I will tell you. You may have to catch me 30 or 40 minutes after church, but I would love to share with you some of the things that God has done for me. I love sharing His, his blessings, His miracles. DC, thank you so much for leading us in worship and all the different ones. Uh, Davey, uh, the, the whole team did a great job today. I, I love worshiping the Lord along with them. Many of you get the opportunity to worship with them. You may not get to op- op- the opportunity to worship uh, up here and be in a microphone, but you can sing just as loud as you want out in the audience and make your joyful noise along with me. We make our noises, and uh, sometimes we're on key, sometimes we're off. But the music is loud, and you can sing as loud as you want to. I told the the sound team, I said, listen, just make it loud enough to where somebody can sing just so off-key. I mean, just be off. I mean, just uh, three octaves off. And the person next to them, they're just like, yeah, it's good, it's good, I love it. I feel you, brother. And and you're like, but if if the sound system were to cut off, we would hear a whole lot of just... Freedom, freedom to worship. I love it. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today with thanksgiving in our hearts. We come to you today asking, Lord, for a mighty move of your presence. We want to feel your presence continue through this service. Lord, stir our hearts. Help us to be stirred by your word and help us to change our lives. Lord, we are not here today just to be the same. Change us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you came to church today to say to your to be able to say to your friend on a Monday or Tuesday or this following coming week that you went to church to make yourself feel better or to make them feel better because they've been on your case a lot and they've been harping on you that you need to be in church we want you to be in church and you finally can say to them hey get off my back I went to church I don't want you to come to church for that reason I want you to come to church I want you to come let's just change it don't come to church come to God I want you to come to God today. You're here. Great. Now that you are here in God's presence, let's receive what he has for us from the greatest instruction manual ever known to man. This is the greatest book ever written. It is a divine word. It is God's word. It is sent from heaven up above. And too many people look at it as just a book. And it's on the shelf collecting dust. But today, it is here. Today, it is up there. It's over here. And you're going to hear from the Word of God. And the Lord is going to open your heart and you are going to receive something great. I I believe today somebody is going to receive something that is going to stir them up to be better and stronger in the name of Jesus. All right, so I want to just start off and read to you from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, just real short at the beginning of this message, and if you would turn to the Word of God, 
Because so many people don't turn in their Bibles now because I know I do it too. I don't bring my Bible to church as much as I should. But we're going to turn and we're going to read this together. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 2 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Are we in the right scripture? I thought I heard somebody said no. Preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. I want to speak this a little bit this morning on the topic of conditioned for captivity. Conditioned for captivity. Captivity is a very strange thing, and we know, and we've heard stories, we've read stories about people that were in captivity, and it's a, to me I say it's a strange thing because so many times those that are in captivity and they're held by their captor, they, there begins to be a relationship there that I just can't say anything other than it's strange because if you steal me away from my family and take me to a place that I don't want to be, I immediately am going to be trying to get out of there and I'm going to immediately be trying to get away. Women are abducted. Children are abducted. There have been men that have been abducted in war and taken as prisoners. And these are strong men, hard men, warriors. But even warriors can be broken down. To the point where when it's all said and done, at the end, they're saying, I'll do whatever you want. I'll stay as long as you want. Just don't hurt me anymore. Captivity is a very strange thing. A woman that is taken, maybe she's abused, a, a, a child that is abused. There is a, 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 something that happens in their minds to where they begin to accept that captor as being one that They'll even believe a lie of like, well, I actually kind of like him now. Or he's, he's not that bad. And he's maybe, you see him as maybe a per, one that would want to help. I say he could be a she. So that begins to be a relationship that is a sick relationship. It's a wrong relationship. It's nothing that we would ever look for in a relationship. But it actually happens. And there is a, a mental thing that happens there's a shift in the thinking and the the one that's in captivity begins to look at their captor as sometimes even a savior because they can lie to them and say I took you from a bad situation and look how much better you are I know that I keep you locked up I know that I only feed you a certain amount of times a day I know that I only do such and such and such and such but look at all the things that I do for you let's look at all the positive things that I do and we don't even see and they don't even feel and know and they can't they've lost grip of reality and now all of a sudden they don't even realize that hold up dude you stole me off my bicycle from a baseball game I was at and now you're telling me look at all the good things I do for you and sometimes it ends in death the Bible says that the wages of sin is death we need to know that our devil the adversary our captor for some that are captive right now they're held captive by sin you wouldn't know it 
Because they dress nice today. Their breath is good. Their smell is good. Their hair is right. They've got cologne on. They look the part. Why do I say that? Because I was one of those. I was one that I was in captivity, but I didn't look like I was in captivity. What does the captor do when he has one in captivity and he decides to take him out in public? This actually happens. This blows my mind. It's strange. Elizabeth Smart, everybody, if you don't know that story, Google it, look it up. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. A girl. Lots of girls are abducted every year. Lots of young men are abducted every year. She's one of them. Years ago, she's abducted. And then they got to where they were taking her out into public. And she would dress like them. She was in public. She was seen. And even though she was in that situation, still would not take off and run. There was something going on there. And he had gotten into her mind. And all of a sudden, she's just accepting that she is there in that situation and thinking, I'll never get away from it. I'll never get away from it. The captor controls their mind and eventually they are afraid to run. They start to settle in, sometimes even befriending the captor. Okay, so now what I want to shift to, and I want to talk about something that is held in captivity. Many times you've seen this. How many of you have been to the circus? Nobody's been to the circus. Let me just explain the circus. The circus is a great thing. You're going to want to take your kids. It's a good thing. It's a lot of fun. Um, now, who else been to the circus? Everybody in here has been to the circus. We've been to some really cool circuses, some really good circuses, and then there's been the cheesy, pay your $5, walk through the hay and the whatever else, local rusk circus. I remember a circus came to town here in Rusk, and I was like, man, alive. I hope these tents don't fall over. Uh, man, these bleachers feel a little rocky, and there's some old guy with their sweaty, greasy guys like, give me your money, bring your money, come on, cotton candy and elephant poop. And, I mean, it's just, and, we, and I went, and I took my kids, and they're like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm like, we ain't riding that thing. We ain't riding that thing, because I'm not so sure they're going to eat you. <clears throat> so, and then I remember years ago, we went to the ring, we were going to go to the big circus, the big top. It wasn't even a, under a tent. We were in a big convention center, and we went to the Ringling Brother Barnum and Bailey. What a name. Ringling Brother Barnum and Bailey Circus. So we took off, and we went to it, and I was all excited because we were going to be right there in the circus. And my dad, bless his heart, I know he was doing the best he could because, you know, he had all of us kids. or was a family of five, and we went to that circus, and we sat on the top of the top deck. I'm talking about elephants and lions and tigers were like... Did we go, are we in the, we went to the mini circus. Everything's tiny. And I'm like, these, it was literally like I was watching a circus, a full-blown circus on this podium. There, there go the clowns. Yep, there's the elephants. Look right over, yep, there's the giraffes. The whole circus was right there. You know, in perspective. And so, we've been to the circus. We know what's at the circus. Let me show you a picture of a, magnificent mighty animal this is a picture of an elephant out in the wild this is a beautiful this is God's creature this is God's creation he made this and they I didn't even look up how long they live does anybody know how long an elephant lives uh, does anybody okay one thing I do know about an elephant is there is they look funny you know I would never say that my wife looks funny 
My wife is a beautiful woman. I would never compare her to, to an elephant. But they do say an elephant has a long, long memory, a very good memory. And that's kind of how my wife and the elephant are the same. And uh, <laughs> they have a memory. And you've heard people say that, man, you've got a memory like an elephant. Thanks for the compliment. <laughs> so a beautiful animal. I did look up some of the facts on this. They can weigh upwards of 13,000 pounds. How many people in here, you know how many pounds are in a ton? In a ton. Annette Kimbrell, one, there's a woman in here, how many pounds? 2,000 pounds in a ton. They live up to 70 years. It's a long time. This one's pretty old because you can see he's wrinkled. So, uh, <laughs> so several you know, up to six tons, maybe, six and a half tons or so. So very, very heavy animal and very powerful, very strong. It says that they could tow or haul or pull up to 18,000 pounds. All right? So we're looking at they're able to pull nine tons, okay? They can move your car around. They can kick things around. They can rip trees out of the ground. They can turn over trees. I've seen some videos. I wish I'd have pulled that up and had it to play to, for you today. But I've seen them running through the forest, and it's a, crack, a cracking thunderous noise because they're not running around trees. They don't worry about running around trees. They run over and through trees. It's like <laughs> crashing through. They're coming through. As beautiful and as strong and majestic as this animal is, this animal and now hear me when I say this, will allow. This animal doesn't want this, but this animal will allow itself to be this. That's sad. And that's what we've seen at the circus. And we take our children and we pay the ticket and then maybe some of you had to explain to your children, well, why is he chained up? Why is he locked up? Well, that's for our viewing enjoyment, children. That's what life's about. You know, we pay money, and we, and we, we got our cotton candy. We're going to go watch this thing, and it's okay because it's for our enjoyment. I won't go there. That's not what this sermon is about. But I want to tell you, this is something that this elephant allows because of his past. When it's young... It's chained to a tree that's larger than itself. And it ties its freedom to that chain. He doesn't tie his freedom to the tree or how big the tree is or anything like that. He ties his freedom simply to that chain. Now that chain doesn't really have to increase in size. This elephant is totally able to maybe not break the chain some can snap a chain. They can snap the chain that they're on. But some of them don't even have to worry about snapping the chain. They could just break what they're anchored to. Let me tell you something. We all deal with chains. We all deal with things. We all deal with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's what we say in Celebrate Recovery. We all have things that we deal with. But how much of an anchor do you have attached to that? Okay, This animal is able to be tied up and constrained and restrained by taking that chain that used to be tied to a massive object that he could not get away from. Used to be, used to be, 
But now it's tied to something so small that it could be just a small little wood block or a stake in the ground and maybe possibly even just laid on the ground but it's on him and he won't even walk or she won't even walk or move because of that chain that's around that ankle. And many of them have lived their entire life in captivity. I, this sermon has quite a bit of notes and I don't want to get tied up in videos. I, I love to show videos a lot of the times. So I'm going to explain one real quick just so I didn't have to show it. There was a video that I watched where an elephant had been in captivity for years and they could not get the chain off of the elephant because the elephant didn't want the chain off. They couldn't even cut the chain off. When we go to cut the chain, the elephant would act up and, and get crazy. And finally, after training and training and training, it showed the video of the elephant actually lifting its foot up and holding it up and letting the trainer cut the chain off finally. But at first, it didn't want his chain off. They took an animal that was in captivity just like this. They moved it out into the wild and he's in the wild in a, well, it's not completely the wild. It's a, like a several acre fenced in area and he's dragging that chain around. Go to take it off? No, no, I want my chain. I want my sin. I want what I've had this whole time. I'm coming to church. Hey, I'll give you that. I'll come to church. I'll be a part. I'll, I'll even be on the praise and worship team. I'll teach a class. I'll do a lot of things. But don't you cut this chain off. He was almost completely free. But he wasn't completely free. We've got to get completely free. My wife taught a series a long time ago that was called Get Free and Stay Free because it's important that we don't just accept captivity and we don't look at the conditions that we're in and we don't allow ourselves to be just conditioned to the point where we accept captivity as something that we will just live with in bondage, in captivity. We cannot get to that point. Over time, the elephant starts adopting the belief that it isn't possible to be free. They absolutely just stop trying. Solomon said it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We've got a large elephant that could break free and run through the streets and go to the, uh, out into the jungle and get free and stay free and good luck catching him with a poison dart or something, whatever you've got something to put him to sleep and take him back in. He's going to fight it and fight it and fight it. If he can ever get in his mind that he can get away and stay away, he can get free and stay free. But he allows himself to be, like Solomon said, the small things. That chain is such a small thing. It's, that small chain is holding up and holding back a 13,000-pound beast. The thing holding you back that seems so big is in fact very small in God's eyes. We see this and we think, if we could speak in elephant, elephantese, if we could speak to an elephant, we could say, run, break free, you're free. But we can't, and, and, they, and there's condition, they are conditioned for captivity. They, that is something they have been taught from a small child. Many of you grew up in a home where there was bondage. When I say bondage, I'm not talking about everyone was bound up, we're going to let you get out today to go to school. I'm talking about spiritual bondage. You grew up in a home where alcoholism was very prevalent. 
And so you ask yourself today, why in the world do I drink so much? Why am I at 25 years old, and I have to be honest, I won't tell anybody else, but I'll tell myself in the mirror at 25 years old, I'm an alcoholic. Why? Because I can't stop. But I tell myself I'm not an alcoholic because I'm not an alcoholic for 24 hours. Or I'm not an alcoholic for seven days. But seven days later, I am back to alcohol. Or I'm not on drugs. I'm not on drugs. I'm not a drug addict. I don't do that stuff hardly at all. Now my wife, myself, I'm not a drug addict. Why? I, I mean, I don't do drugs, period. Now, there's other things. A list a mile long that we all will say, I'm not that. I'll tell you why I'm not that. Because I don't do that that much. I don't do that that much. If we're going to have a true relationship with God, one that he, we are going to be sold out to Him completely. And He's, he's going to be completely sold out to us. He's going to love us in our faults and failures, and we're going to have grace, but we cannot have grace under both arms just doing this. Grace is my crutch. Grace is my crutch. Everywhere I bring my limp, I also bring my grace. I'm good to go, Pastor. I've got my grace. I've got my bad leg. We live to... You don't need to pray for me. It's fine. I'm good. I'll survive. I've been dealing with this limp, Pastor, for a long, long time. It's like this chain. Just dragging it. I don't need your prayers. I don't need your sympathy. It's okay. I'm good. Why am I good? I've got God's grace. He is he's faithful. He's a just God. He's a good God. He's going to forgive me when I, when I fall again. Because this bad leg, it may, I fall a lot with this bad leg. I fall a lot. And so I'm used to falling. I'm going to continue to fall. I will fall the rest of my life. And I will continue to give in to sin and give in to sin and give in to sin because I have just settled and I have conditioned myself for captivity. You do not have to continue to fall and fall and fall. We love it. We say continually better here at Covenant Church. And we say get back up, get back up. The goal is not to always be getting back up. The goal is to get up and stay up. So that when somebody's down here, I can say, grab my hand, let's get up. Let me pull you up. Let me get you up. Let me get you somewhere where you need to be. But we lean on that crutch of God's grace. We lean on it. We lean on it hard. But what you've got, what you're dealing with, it's small in God's eyes. It is very small in God's eyes. And he's basically saying today, if you would simply just turn it to me, I will take it, I will cut it, I will break it. But you've got to want it. You've got to let me. You've got to raise that foot up on the fence and say, cut the chain, cut the chain. I want you to cut it. I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of dealing with this. Unbelief keeps you in bondage. You're conditioned to believe a lie. Let's read Matthew. Let's turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13 verse uh, 57 and 58 says this. 
And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is he is in own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. You've got to have faith for yourself. God wants to do something for you today. Now he said, only in my own town, my hometown, this is my church, this is my church family. I'm here, I'm with my church family. And God's saying, I want to do miracles, I want to bring deliverance, I want to, I will for those that want it, for those that's, that literally say, God, I'm wrong, I'm a sinner, I fall, I keep falling, and my, my go-to, my mode of operation Exactly how I operate day after day is I wake up in the morning planning to fall. You need to wake up in the morning tall. Oh, I didn't plan that. I should have written that down somewhere. Don't fall. Be tall. Yes. You, you make something rhyme. You just, if you rhyme, it's funny. It's good. Whatever. I, but it's very, it's true. It's true. We need to wake up in the morning and put our feet on the ground and stand up tall and say, God, Thank you that yesterday was absolutely great. And I'm excited because I'm excited because I'm going to have another great day. And I'm going to be free from sin. I'm going to be a mighty overcomer. And I'm going to do this all because of you, God. Because you are right beside me. You lift me up and you sustain me and I have your strength. And you will make it to where I can carry through today. Too many people wake up in the morning and they put their two feet on the floor. And they slump over and they go... I know I'm going to fall. I just don't know when. I don't know if it's going to be at 8 a.m., 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but I'm going to fall. And you go into a situation, you go into a day preparing to mess up. And when I say preparing to mess up, it could be a lot of things. I used to have a relationship with my family that every time that I would mess up with my tone of voice or the way I would respond to them or the way I would just lose my temper every time I would say I'm sorry but I'm working on it and then the next day literally a lot of times the next day I'm sorry but I'm working on it I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm, I'm working on it and then my children begin to look at me and say sometimes are you going to be sorry for the rest of your life? This is when they got older and they're like, I, I feel a little strong. I feel like I can say something now because I can bench press what you're bench pressing, Dad. My son texted me the other day. He said, Dad, I bench pressed 225 for 11 reps. Guys, if people, if you don't know, that he passed me up a long time ago. That's huge. And so now he got some strength on him. He's, he, you know, he kind of got bold enough at times where he would say, are you just going to work on that the rest of your life? Are, are you going to be saying I'm sorry for the rest of your life? Boy, you talk about, oh, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. That was good. It was good that I heard that. And it's good that you hear somebody and you allow somebody to be a pastor in your life. You allow somebody to talk to you. And <clears throat> I know it's tough. I know it's tough to hear these things. It was tough for me to hear it. But when I hear the truth and I believe it and I know it and then I search out the truth, the Bible says the truth will set us free. Now listen, this is truth. This is truth. Another thing that I will look at and say right here, also truth, is you believing what others are saying, and they're right, 
the word of God pricks you in your heart and it says it to you, it talks directly to your heart and it's truth. And you hear truth and, and the truth of the matter is, the truth is, you are everything that you say you're not. And you are that. But you've told yourself, I'm not that. I'm not that. Yes, you are. I'm not that. I'm working on it. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. No, you are that. Okay, so now that you realize it's the truth, celebrate recovery is the first thing they say is just admit I'm not God and I cannot change my ways. I am not God and I can't change it on my own. Now that we know the truth, the truth can set us free. Yes, I'm that way. I acknowledge it. Lord, now I need some help because, whoo, that's pretty rough. That's what we have to say to ourselves. We say, man, I, I actually am pretty rotten. I actually am kind of hard to deal with. I actually am kind of hard to get along with. I acknowledge it. I know it. It's the truth. Tell everybody. Just tell your family. Kids, I'm that way. Wife, I'm that way. Friends, I'm that way. Coworkers, I am that way. Self, self says to self, self, you are that way. God, now I need help. Because I've done out of myself to the whole world and the whole world knows that this is exactly how I am. And Lord, I need your help because now they all own me now. You got to want it. You got to want it. Look at your neighbor and say, I want it. I want it. Quit walking in unbelief. Quit having conditional faith. Conditional faith. Unbelief in yourself. Unbelief in healing. Unbelief in deliverance. Unbelief in freedom. Unbelief in God's resurrecting power. He is absolutely has resurrecting power. You need to believe it. You cannot work and wake up every day and have unbelief in these things. It's great. I read about it. I believe it. I understand it. But it's not for me. It's not for me. Why can't it be for you? You just don't know. I have tried and I have, I, I have tried. I have tried and I have done everything I can do. Yes, you may have. But you, have you really, really got on board and really, really given your heart to God, read His Word, prayed and seek, seek His face, fasting and giving up and pushing back on the plate and saying, Lord, I want to make a sacrifice. I've got to have something more from you. Or is your trying, if I had a chain up here, I would pull on it. Let's just use this for example. This is a chain. It's wrapped around my leg. I don't need to do that because you're not supposed to tie nice cables like this in a knot. You're welcome. I'll ruin it. But th this is me trying. Oh, Lord, please, once again today I come to you and I ask that you would help me not to give in to temptation. Lord, I just, Lord, if it's your will for me to be sin-free, I ask that you help me to be sin-free, Lord. In Jesus' name, same prayer I've prayed for the last 25 years. In Jesus' name I pray. And two hours later, I'm still, I'm still hooked to this bondage. I'm still in captivity. I have accepted the conditions of captivity. I've accepted it. I'm good with it. Oh, it's okay. I dealt with my whole life, and it's okay. It's here. And uh, I prayed, though. But, hey, I do pray. I read my word. I read my Bible. I pray. I love the Lord. I believe in him. He died on the cross for me. He's my Savior. But I don't really want to try too hard because, let me tell you, if I wouldn't tear that pedal board up right now, when I really get tired of sin, when I really get tired of, of losing what I have been tied to, and when it's time for me to break free, 
This is how I'm going to break free. Don't get stressed. That's how I'm going to break free. If we messed it up, we'll buy another one. It was unplugged already. When you're tired of being in captivity, when the, captor, the, captor, the one that's in captivity gets tired of the captor, Elizabeth Smart got away. She broke free. She finally said, what in the world? I am actually agreeing with this psycho. I am actually talking to him like he's my father. He's telling me these crazy things and I'm believing it. You will justify sin. You will stay in sin. You will get settled in with sin. You will drag a chain around with you your entire life like an elephant. Because they remember. Just like our wives. They remember. They remember that years and years ago I tugged on that chain one time. And it didn't work. And I couldn't get free. And now here I am, 13,000 pounds, a beast of an animal, so strong, I can pull nine tons. But this is my try. And I saw that in several videos. I, I watched a video where an elephant was working and playing with its chain, and it was, this was so sad. The elephant was moving and wanting to get away from the chain, and it, it felt it, but it was doing this. It wasn't even pulling on it, it was just rocking its body. Just rocking its body. He didn't want to pull too hard because if, if I pull too hard, it may hurt. I don't want to pull too hard because I pulled before. And when I pulled before, it hurt. It hurt. It hurt. You know what? It's like a Band-Aid. Rip the thing off right now. Quit, quit rocking back and forth. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll get baptized. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll live for God. Maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't even know what I want. I'm so stuck in captivity. I have accepted these conditions. Rocking back and forth. Rocking, but just thinking about it. Just dreaming about it. You know what? If, boy, if I was strong enough... Man, if I, if I, I would rip this thing out of the ground so hard. I would run. I would be free. I would be running through the forest. I would be drinking at the clearest springs. I would just be doing all kind of things. I'd run around with all the other elephants I see out there. But man, I just, I just sit here and rock back and forth. I mean, we literally, spiritually, sometimes we're doing this where we're just like, just rocking back and forth. Just rocking. We look pathetic. We look, we look beaten. We look, we're just hor horrible looking to the Lord. And he's saying, just quit rocking and get up, stand tall, and run. Break free. Break free for once. You are not a hopeless case. You're not a hopeless case. Let's go to Numbers. Let's go to Numbers. And I want to read in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. This is why I tell you it's important that you read your word, and sometimes you read your word again, and sometimes you read your word again. Then you stop and say, Lord, what are you trying to say? Because I read this, and I pulled out... Two great things that I thought about today for this sermon. And then after that, my wife read it. She goes, did, did you think about that? I'm like, oh, I missed that. How did I miss that? I'm telling you, God's word is deeper than just 
putting it on an app and saying, just playing it, just playing it. I, I can turn on my Bible in my earbuds and go outside and mow the yard and do things and I can work. And, and it's good. I don't want to, I'm not going to knock that because it's so much better than where you were at, right? You're doing so much better. But sometimes I need to turn that page and, and you need to hear this. You need to hear some crinkling of some pages. And you're like, well, I'm going to look at my book. I'm going to, God, what are you saying to me here? Why did you draw me to this scripture, Lord? What happened? What are you trying to say to me? Okay, so when I read that, the Bible says, some men, he said, let's, so he says right here, send some men to explore the land. Some men. Some men turned into two men. Okay? Joshua and Caleb. Okay? So there were some men. They were some, there were some men. Okay? Sin 12. Well, it just turns out that there were only really two of them that were really like legit men. Where they said, oh yeah, I just wish you would. Because the other ten were like, this oh better get some yonder I better get some yonder I used to work with a guy he would say that all the time he would say it when the snake would come out the snake would come out he said oh better get some yonder that's what they were saying they didn't have that they had the flight you had the flight or fight syndrome Joshua and Caleb said oh yes Oh, I see it. It's the promise, and I want it, and God said we can have it. Let's get it. I'm ready. Let's get some. All were leaders. Find that in the Scripture. Oh, there it is right there. This is, this is a different version than me. Let me read my version. Oh, it just said one of its leaders. I'm sorry, I'm looking for all were leaders, but that's my point here. All, okay, leaders. We're dealing with leaders. First verse, I'm sorry, it is there. It's exactly like I was asking for. Verse, verse 1, 13 and 1, if we can go back to that. I'm sorry, 13 and 3. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So yes, this is a point I want to make. All of them were leaders. You can be in leadership and be settling for the status quo. All of my leaders, everybody in here that you do something, you do anything. Let me just tell you this. Every single one of you, whether you work in the cafe, teach class, drive a van, whatever you do, you are a leader. You are the leader of your family. If you're somebody who you're not the leader of your family, you're the leader of somebody. Somebody, you have influence over somebody. Somebody is watching you. Somebody is looking at you and considering them, they're considering you as their leader. They look at you and they say, I respect that person. I love that person. Now, what does that person say to me? What does that person do for me? That person has settled now for the conditions of captivity and they live and they understand and they know that they are going to always live with the status quo. And then you have to be careful because as you live with that, you dish that out to other people and they live with the status quo. And you are just perpetually, it's just going on as a perpetual cycle. And you are perpetuating this scenario that I'm teaching about today. So important point here. 
This is what my wife said. Look back at verse 1. Look at verse 1. Verse 2. Let me go back to verse 2. Where am I messing up here? Okay, verse 1. There it is, verse 2. My Bible is so hard to read, y'all. My numbers in my Bible are so tiny that I literally cannot hardly see them. All right. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. He gives them a command. He tells them what to do right here. Send some men, which I'm giving. Read it. Hear it. Understand it. Crystal, go downstairs. I'm, I'm just joking right now. This is a hypothetical. Go downstairs. There's a bag, $100 bills, which I'm giving you. <clears throat> I know it's a surprise. I'm giving it to you. A bag of $100 bills. Go down there. Get it. Simple. She's not going to go downstairs and run into opposition from somebody else and saying, whoa, 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 now this bag, this bag, no, she, that's my bag. That's Pastor... He said, that's my bag. That's my bag. I want my bag. Get my bag. Get my, get my bag. I'm getting my bag. You better get my bag. That's my bag. That's my bag of $100 bills. I'm, I'm going to get my bag of $100 bills. He said, go to the land that I'm giving. And they didn't even go into the situation feeling like, it's mine. I'm just coming over here to claim it. It's already mine. She goes downstairs. She's like, I'm going downstairs to get a bag of $100 bills. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And buy a bag of $100 bills. That's how you act when you're getting a bag of $100 bills. You make up songs. You're just happy. You're like, ooh. Don't know how many bag, don't know how many $100 bills are in that bag, but boy, I'm happy. But that's not how those 12 men, 10 of, 10 of those men were they weren't marching over there to look at this area that God said, I'm giving it. By the way, hello, uh, heads up, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. I just need you to go over there and get it. Just go get it. Please, just go over there and get it. Just ha show some initiative. Show some want to. Show some try. Show a little fight. Would you please just try just a little bit? I'm going to give it to you, but just try a little bit. Just, eat, just rear back and act like you're going to punch. How many men in here, you, you've, you've ever been in a spot where you just kind of act like you're going to punch? You're with a bunch of other guys. Somebody bows up to you. You're like, hold me back. Hold me back. Hey, guys, you're supposed to be holding me back right now, man. I got to back up. When I do that again, you grab my shirt, you pull back, act like I'm going at him. Hold me back. Oh, yeah, now, oh, now, oh, oh, you better, you better run. Yeah, you better run. You better be glad they were holding me. That's how God wants you to go into this situation with this captivity issue. Just please, just stop, just at least rear back. Devil, I'm fixing to knock your teeth out. I'm so tired of being addicted. I'm so tired of being in bondage. I'm so tired of being in sin. I've been rocking back and forth. I got this chain on my leg. Oh, man, I'm ready to get out of this mess. I want to be free from bondage. But he said, I'm giving it to you. It's yours to take. He gave it to them. Ten men were walking on the way there. Just be like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Joshua and Caleb, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, guys. Come on. I mean, like, they're ready. We're going to do it. We can do it. 
It's very important, your posture. It's very important. All they could see were all of the conditions. Condition for captivity. They had just come out of bondage with the Egyptians and with Pharaoh. And so they were already conditioned. So your past, I realize you've been in bondage. I realize you've been dealing with this sin. I realize you've been dealing with whatever you've been dealing with for a long, long time. So here come the hard part. Here's the hard part. you got to get your mind tied to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I bind my mind to your mind. Lord, I bind my spirit to your spirit. I can't do it, Lord. I need your strength. Lord, strengthen my soul. I need your strength, not my strength. I need your mind. I need your fortitude. I need your power. I need your deliverance. Excuses, excuses, excuses. It's too big, too powerful, too much, too hard. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapter 13 in Numbers, we go to verses uh, 30 and 32. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. But I like how Caleb walked up there and the first thing he said to everybody, because you know this was murm there was murmuring. When you got the majority rules, right? So when you got 10 grown men, these are guys that are, hey, I trust these men. They're leaders. They were all leaders, right? They're leaders. And they come back and say, can't do it, can't do it. Hey, you ask him. He said, he can't do it. Uh-huh. And then he said, he can't do it. We all said we can't do it. Those two yahoos over there, they like, we're going to take this crazy land. We go, they're crazy. This is, this is the murmuring. Be careful that you don't listen to murmuring. Be careful that you don't listen to talk that you know, and you, you know it. You're like, church, we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Deliverance. Things are happening. When you start, if you ever hear that, you squash it. You squash it immediately. You be like Joshua and Caleb. Jo Caleb walked in the room, and it doesn't say it exactly like this, but I have a feeling that he walked in and said, all right, everybody shut up. Because he said he silenced the people. That'd be one way I'd silence people. Hey, everybody. Can everybody just shut up for a minute? Shut up. Shut your mouth. Because I'm going to tell you, God said he would, he's given it. He, he said he's given it to us. So it's ours for the taking. Oh, yeah, but it's too big, too powerful, too much. It's too hard. Let's go to Numbers chapter 14, verses 26 through 33. I'll read it quick. It's not even that many. It's not much reading. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, he said, I promise on my life. I'm telling you, here, here it comes. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In this desert... Your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old or more, who is counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land. I swore with uplifted hand to make your home. He said it right there. I swore 
to make it your home. I said, I promised you I would do it, and you still didn't jump in there and take it. Except Caleb, son of, and Joshua, son of Nun, as for your children that you said would, as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in this desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the desert. Something has to die off. We have to kill something. We cannot have this freedom from captivity and continue to be chained up to something. We got to cut something. Something has to die. Okay? If you keep doing the same things, you're going to get the same results. That's insanity. We know that. Something has to die. Don't let your children bear the load. It's exactly what happened here with the Israelites. He said, your children are going to suffer. They are going to have to suffer with you and alongside you as you try to just figure it out. Because that's what we're doing, right? We're just going to figure it out. I'm working on it. I apologize. I'm working on it. I apologize. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm going to figure it out. Y'all hang with me. Y'all hang with me. And guess what? Your, your precious little children, they, they, they are. They hanging with you. Why? Because you feed them. You put a roof over their head. They ain't got nowhere else. They, where else they going to do? I'm just going to go off to the, to the uh, home. We're going to go check myself in over here at this little kid's home. It looked like a good place. No. They're stuck with you. And, the peop- and just forget about the children, the people around you that you have influence over. Yeah, they, they got you too. So it's important the influence that you are putting on other people. It's important what you're telling other people. Are you a person with enthusiasm, with power and love and, and might and strength that the Lord is strengthening you? Are you the one that comes to work and says, yeah, I know it, man, I feel you, man. That's exactly, that's exactly how I am, man. I can't do it, man, I can't do it, can't do it. Are you the ten? Are you the two? Romans 6. Let me get there. Oh, y'all, this is, I know sometimes there's times when uh, it may not seem just like the funniest thing ever, but I don't come to church ever trying to make y'all laugh. I know there's some laughter sometimes in a sermon, but I tell you what, it's important that we get this concept, okay? And we laughed a minute ago. We probably laugh again. I don't care. I'm not in it for the laughs. I'm in it for, here for the work. I'm in it here for the, for the progress. I'm in it here for the, for the forward movement. That's what I'm, I mean, laughs come, laughs go. Hard times come, hard times go. Tears come, tears go. It don't matter really what happens at all. Except in the end, we're still moving forward. Great if we can just feel just super pumped up when we leave church and we're just like, woo, woo. I work with a guy and he, he's a captain. He comes in on duty after me and I know when he's there because he's in the hall and it echoes down that hall and around the corner and Scott Lowry, I hope he watches this sermon online. And he, he, he comes and they also, they call him Skippy. Maybe it's because he's in such a good mood, you know, just, but he comes in the hall, in the hall every shift and he goes, Every shift. Skippy's, my relief's here. Skippy's here. Hey, that's powerful. 
I guarantee you there's been some days where he walked in there and he's like, man, there ain't no way I want to be up here at work today. I'm ready to go home. Woo! It's exactly how you portray it to others. They, they, they won't even see or feel your pain. And I'm telling you what, it's powerful what we can, we can portray to others. All right, Romans 6, verses uh, 16 through 18. Yes, I am trying to find small little tiny numbers. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, hey, got a choice there. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. We are going to be slave to something. The Greek word for slave is, let's see if I pronounce it right, who knows? Doulos. D-O-U-L-O-S. Doulos. Literally means to be owned by someone for a lifetime. For a lifetime. That elephant with the chain on his leg for a lifetime. And even when someone was wanting to cut the chain, no, I'm fixing to throw a fit if you try to cut this chain. I'm fixing to throw a fit if you try to take away what makes me feel good. Oh, sin is enjoyable. Sin is great. Sin is fun. Sin is exciting. I get endorphin releases when I sin. I, it's the secretive, the sneakiness, the adrenaline rush. Sin can make me feel like I'm high as a kite. I don't do drugs. I said we don't do drugs. We don't do drugs. But let me tell you what, sin is a drug. Sin, there is a, a release that happens with, with any kind of sin. I mean, something as simple as like, man, just... Getting a, just getting away with something. Just, tell, just going and bragging to your co-workers. Boy, I told that, that woman at the doctor's office, whoo, she lit into me, but guess what? I lit into her, and I told that woman how the cow eats that cabbage. I don't know why in the world that's supposed to be some kind of... I told him how the cow eats the cabbage. If somebody walks up to me and tells me how a cow eats the cabbage, I'm going to be like, congratulations, I don't even care about cabbage. Oh, you really, you got me, you got me. But that's exactly what we can do. That. Oh, I, I lit into them, I told them, I told them. Boy, I told them good and bragging about it. It was a release. You, got, you felt strong for a minute. You're like, woo, woo. Look how big I am. Look how big and tough I am. Hold me back, hold me back, mom. Mom, hold me back. Yeah, I said mom. Grown man in there in the doctor's office with his mother. I'm Mr. Macho here. Yeah, and so that right there can be where you, you just hated someone. You just had an angry outburst. You just puked all over someone, basically. And you gave them the what for, which I don't know what the what for is, but you gave it to them. And you gave them the what for, and you told them how the cow eats the cabbage, and all those slang, you just basically told them off. And now you feel big and mighty and strong? No, you just sinned. But it felt good, right? It felt good. Oh, it felt good. Every once in a while, we all need to do that, right? Every once in a while, we need to just tell somebody off. Whether they need it or not. I just need, I just need to do it. Some, every once in a while, just punch somebody. Go home and tell your kids about it. You know what? Dad's tough. Why? I punched a guy in the throat at the gas pump. Why? I don't know. I just felt like I need to do it to feel like I'm still a man. 
We don't do that. We should never do that. But why do we do that? Because every once in a while we like to slip off in carnal mode where we just want to feel good. I just want to feel good for a second. A slave to sin. We're going to be slave to something. So doulos, doulos means some, a slave to someone for a lifetime or something. Slave to sin or slave to death. Or, I'm sorry, slave to sin and death are slave to God and life because you're going to be sin to one or the other. So do we want to be a, a, sin, a slave to the sin that turns out to be death? Or are we going to be a slave to God which ends up being life? Where we mess up, where we mess up. Sin is seen as freedom. Serving God is seen as slavery. That's where people mess up. They look at it and they go, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to do this because it is so such an inhibiting thing and restrict, restrictive on me. We see the temporary and not the eternal. Out of the 12 that went out, only two said, we get to fight. The other 10 said, we have to fight. We have to do this. We got to go do this. We, it's, it's, a, it's, a drug, it's drudgery. And we're, we're, we're not looking forward. We're not, we're not looking forward to the, to the win and the victory. The other two said, we get to fight. There's such a huge difference in this. Because when you're looking at the conditions of captivity, that's where it starts to play in. I'm moving along. I'm moving fast. They looked at it as a burden, as being too hard. Praise team, y'all come on up. I got about two or three more points. And we are going to break the chains of bondage. And it's not going to be we. It's not going to be us. It's going to be God Almighty. It's going to be someone in this audience today. You sat here and you sat here and you've been sitting here and you've been sitting here. And you're like, you know what? Today is the day. I'm so sick and tired of being in bondage. I don't want anybody to raise any hands, but I know if I said raise some hands in here right now, there would be a lot of people that would say, I will tell you right now that God set me free from bondage and captivity, and, and it's a great thing, and I'm just telling you right now, He set me, if you just raise your hand if God's done it for you. Just I'll do it. I'm, one of, I'm the main one. I see people with two hands up. Two hands up. He did it. Hey, so now... If you need that today and you have, or you're here and all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that evidently they're either lying in church or God actually did something for them. And I kind of need that. I kind of need some of that. Guess what? I'm going to tell you. It's the latter. You ain't sitting around a bunch of people lying in church. You're sitting around a bunch of people that God actually did it. They didn't do it. They tried. They tried time after time after time after time. But God did it. Will you be a part of the masses or are you going to be a part of the miracle? Are we going to follow all of the, the, the ones who just say we can't do it? Are we going to be part of the miracle, part of the two, part of the Joshua, part of the Caleb? Peter and John before the, the Sanhedrin court. When you turn to Acts chapter 4. Peter and John before the Sanhedrin court. What are we going to do with these men? This is after a miracle had been worked. These men had raised up a, 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 a lame man. God's power. And the Sanhedrin and the ones who are on their case and they don't want to see progress. They're saying, what are we going to do with these men? They ask. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. Wow. 
it, they said it, it's outstanding, it's great. What are we going to do with them? Outstanding miracle. How, how, we gonna, what are we going to do with that? They didn't like it. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further, oh my goodness, what, these people are crazy. Let's stop miracles. That's a great idea. Among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in, in this name. They hated the name of Jesus. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than to obey God. That's how they said it. He's like, you just go ahead and judge for yourselves, buddy. I see the one who's raising up the lame and the sick and the, and the ones who are deaf and dumb. And he's raising them up. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in you. I believe in the one who's where the actual, it's happening. For we cannot help. We cannot even help speaking about what we have seen and heard and further threats they let them go they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old and it's just saying it right there he'd been dealing with it for a long time he'd been rocking back and forth for a long time until God showed up the Sanhedrin's all of the, the people that were of the law, they couldn't break him free. But Jesus showed up and Jesus came on the scene and, they, and the disciples used the name of Jesus and they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and be healed. In the name of Jesus, rise up and be healed. Be released, be free from sin. Be free from bondage. Be free, be delivered in the name of Jesus. It wasn't the man, it wasn't the men, it was the name. It was that mighty, powerful name. And if you're here right now, I'm not through, but I want you right now, as we all stand, I want you to start speaking the name of Jesus over your life. Start speaking the name of Jesus. You don't have to be telling, making up some great, ornate prayer. You don't have to be, Almighty oh, God in heaven above, we come before Thee, and we know that Thou are the strongest. No, it's Jesus. Jesus over my life. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I need Jesus, I need Jesus. So start doing that. If you need him today, you just start doing that. Peter and John didn't listen to the court. Do not accept the devil's plea bargain. So when you want to go into spiritual court, don't you let the devil walk in there on the other side on the prosecution because we got a great defense. So this ignorant devil over here on the prosecution side saying, uh-huh, gotcha. Gotcha, he's guilty, she's guilty, he's guilty, she's guilty. We want to offer a plea bargain. We want to offer a plea deal. No, do not accept a spiritual plea bargain. You do not plea, make a plea with the devil. You don't look at him and say, I'll settle. I'll settle. Put that chain on my foot. Put that chain on my foot. I'll carry that chain around the rest of my life. I'll settle. No, we're not settling, devil. We're not taking your plea bargain. Ephesians 2 and 1 says you were dead in sin. Past tense. Guess what? If you're here, you're in sin, you're dealing with something, guess what? There are many that were in sin. There are many that are away from sin. They don't wake up in the morning saying, I guess I'm going to back, back in it again. It's past tense. I'll leave you with this thought and this is where this whole sermon begins to build and, and start with me. I went to prison ministry with Julio and Julio, 
I'm going to just say, we don't have the pictures up here today. Maybe I'll get them later. If I can't find them, go to his Facebook page. Go to another Facebook page. Covenant Church bought uh, 50 pizzas, and, and, and that's just a small thing. We've given them some drums. we got videos that are coming. Those guys are just so thankful to get whatever they can get. And uh, I'll, I'll go to prison ministry with Julio. And praise God for men. Other men in our church are joining with him. And they're going over there to the Beto unit in Palestine. And they're ministering to a bunch of men who are seeking the face of God. They are tired of being in bondage. They are tired of being in chains. Yes, they're locked up. They can't get out. But as we drove in, I was saying, okay, I've never been in a prison. I was like, this is all new to me. I was a little nervous. So we're getting there. And I'm like, Julio, what's that over there? He's like, oh, they don't, that's, we ain't going over there. That's the bad place. We ain't even going in there. We might get knifed. So, okay, okay, Julio. That's cool. I'm glad you said that. And then, Julio, what's that building over there? Oh, they don't even use that building. Okay, Julio, what's that building over there? He said, that's where the trustees stay. And that's where it began to work on me. I began to think about a trustee and what comes with a trustee. That trustee is locked up in bondage, in captivity. But the warden, now I'm going to switch here and use turns back and forth but the warden, the enemy, the devil the warden's not the devil but the warden in this story that I'm going to tell you my analogy right here the warden's going to represent the devil the warden's going to represent the, the, the enemy the, the prison staff that's going to kind of represent the demons and how they, they keep you and they hold you in sin and bondage and so they trust that trustee enough that they trust him that even though he could make a run for it, even though they may turn their back on him and say, go mow the back 40. Yes, sir. Yes, boss. I'll go mow it. They mow it, and they know he's going to come back. They know he's going to come back. They trust him. The enemy, it is time for the enemy to lose absolute and all faith and trust in you and quit treating you like a trustee. It's time for you. It's time for me to make a break for it. Y'all been trusting me too long. Y'all been trusting me too long. Yep, got a paper clip in my hand right here. Yep, got a paper clip. Pop that cuff. Got another paper clip. Pop that ankle iron. Kind of walk around, scooting a little bit, acting like they still on. Go! It's time to make a break for it. It's time to make a run for it. So close to freedom, but still in captivity. God is saying to you today, run to me. Run to me. Make a break for it. Run to me. You've been thinking about seeking after the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Today's the day. You've been putting on the back burner. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to get baptized one of these days. One of these days. And you just flirt and just be thinking about it. Thinking about it. Today is the day to break free and run to the Heavenly Father. Run to your Father. If I could get everybody to bow your head right now, just bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here today and you feel like you really feel strong in your heart, this is not something I just, I don't want people just to raise their hand just because you know, I feel like everybody else would, so why don't I? If you feel like today, you're like, I, I need to make a change. If you would, let a hand go up. Just let's, let a hand go up and say, I've got to make a change. Today, I've got to make a change. Hands are going up all over the building. It's time to make a change. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. 
Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Sir, I see that hand. I see that. I see that. That's good. Lower your hands. Lower your hands. I want to make an appeal today right now. First of all, I want to appeal to about 10 to 20 people that you really feel strong that the Lord has delivered you and He has broken you out of captivity. I want you to make your way down here real quick. Don't even, You shouldn't have to think about it. You shouldn't have to think about it. If the Lord brought you out of captivity, I need about 10 to 20 people that the Lord has brought you out. He's changed your life. This is the people that He's already done it for. He's already done it for you. He's already done it for you. All right, that's good, that's good. We need that. You know why we need this? Because we gotta give people hope. My brother Julio here has a shirt that he wears and he says, neighborhood, H-O-P-E, hope dealer. Neighborhood hope dealer. Repent, stop, drop, and roll. Does not work in hell. That's right. All right, now, if you feel like you don't have to explain anything, don't have to tell anybody anything but everybody that's up here just step back about two or three steps y'all step back about two or three steps all right if you feel like you just need some help i'm gonna tell you what just come on just come on up to the front if you need some help if you were the one who raised your hand and you said i've got to have a change something's got to happen something's got to happen make your way up here make your way up here it's time it's time and for those of you that are up here if you raised your hand you step up you step up Come on now. If you raised your hand, if you raised your hand, it's time. God wants to do a new thing. Now I need y'all to just put your hand on somebody. Find somebody in front of you. Put your hand on them. Put your hand on them. We're going to pray for these people. This is the most important part. This is the most important part. We're going to pray for our brother. We're going to strengthen our brother. We're going to pray for our sister. They need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. We gotta have Jesus. He is the only one who's gonna set us free. He's the only one. Yeah.
everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I don't think it's a mistake that if you're still here, I want to say something to you. If you're here right now, I want to say everybody in here, if you will, just raise both hands. And I want to say a prayer over all of us here in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would break the chains of captivity in everyone that is here in this room right now. Those that have stepped out, Lord, I pray it over them as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, you would break the chains of captivity in the name of Jesus. Father, your name is powerful, and it is the most powerful name that we can call on. And Father, we, we break the chains of captivity over every father, over every mother, every family, everyone in the name of Jesus. Lord, set us free. We are free and free indeed through your name and your blood that you shed for us on Calvary. And Lord, we claim it in the name of Jesus for ourselves for our friends, for our loved ones, our, our sons, our daughters, our family, our fathers, our mothers, everyone in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I say, Lord, claim it for ourselves. Everybody say, I claim for myself freedom from captivity in the name of Jesus. Go, I will say this right now. You can lower your hands. I'll say this right now. Go Go and be free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We love you. We love you. God loves you. God loves you.